Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Hello comics fans and welcome to a, another episode of Ace Comicals. This is Ace Comicals episode number 86 and I think this is the third one we're bringing to you from quarantine, is that correct? Who knows at this point? Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've what always been in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? Who am I? What's the outside? Do you remember when you were allowed to have friends and go visit them? Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is uh, Ace Comicals episode 86 and uh, this is yeah more stuff that we've been reading and doing during the uh the the worldwide lockdown that seems to be in place at the moment i guess i mean like most of the world i think some of the world's still not in lockdown but a lot of the world that i kind of come into contact with via the internet or whatever seems to be stuck at home right now and it's like the weather's doing this on purpose to taunt us because the weather's really nice (laughs) right now in the uk so (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah um so just uh before we get into it just a bit of catch-up i guess because it's been a while since we've had like the full gang on here so um ray how have you been it's been a, it's been a while since you've been on actually yeah i'm doing well um the reason i couldn't make it last time was because i had a, a family zoom uh thing set up where we were uh basically me and all of my cousins and stuff uh trying to organize just like a I don't know, catch up, chat, game session, whatever, whatever. It was a nightmare. It didn't go well. It was a lot of people talking over each other. Um, but I'm glad that we did it because it's just it's nice to be in touch with family and stuff. So it was a it was a good sacrifice to not be on the cast for that for that episode, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but other other than that, uh, trying to make the best of this situation, working from home and relatively comfortable with that. Um, company's been very good about providing you know the resources we need to do that so we've been you know relatively unstressed in the grand scheme of things so I feel I consider myself quite lucky in that regard and to occupy myself I've been playing a lot of the Final Fantasy 7 remake which uh, despite I think a lot of chatter that's negative online which I guess you get anyway I'm actually having a really good time with it like genuinely and it's giving me a nostalgia trip and me being someone who's not generally Uh, Like, I don't seek nostalgia as a way to satisfy myself. This is really hitting these buttons that I don't normally seek out. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, really digging that. How about you guys? Awesome. Um, So, like, I've been playing, like, because basically, before all of this, um, there's, like, a a group of friends in Leicester that I kind of hang out with and whatever, like, people I've known since school days. So Mm. I've been hanging out with them online in discord playing halo oh nice like Uh, a total throwback yeah Yeah. master chief collection yeah like you were gonna say so Mm -hmm. um at the moment there's only reach and combat evolved available on the steam version on pc but it's cool still and you can have your own little custom games and you can join other games with people online where it's like I may have mentioned this on the cast previously uh, or like i may i think i've definitely mentioned it to you guys previously but it's like people have regressed to their 2003 selves um, where the online halo is concerned because like some of the messages that pop up in the chat or when you can hear people losing their shit over the uh, headsets when they've got themselves on public, 
and things like that. It's like some of the things they're saying and, and the things they're doing and things. It's like being on Xbox Live in 2003. <laughs> what a wonderful time to go back to. Yeah. I, I don't down. know if I'm being sarcastic or not. Like this, you're, you're being, you're being sarcastic. It, but... <laughs> you're being sarcastic because it's like right down to the sort of like homophobic and racial slurs. So, right, okay. <laughs> super. Yeah, I don't know what causes people to. I thought we were past that, but there you go. Obviously not. <laughs> I thought gaming had evolved past that. I, I didn't think any of that. I didn't no, I no, thought no, that no. toxicity had been kind of like I, I I know I know that the toxicity still exists, but I thought the toxicity had been pushed into a corner. No, what you're wishing for is not what reality has given us. Gamers, yeah. gamers are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a nice gamer, and then you're not. Yeah. Wow. So, because <laughs> you might be listening to this, and you might be a nice gamer. Hashtag not all gamers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, Leon, so what have you been up to? Uh, I've been mixing my productive energies with my procrastination energies. So productivity-wise, I've been back on the languages, learning some Japanese again. Um, like picking up from where... I've been doing it on and off for the last few months anyway, but I had a bit of a, a break, so I've, I've uh, jumped back in there, and it's uh, pretty fun. It's weird. Um, I initially did some like beginner Japanese like 12, 13 years ago. And it, it's wild what you remember. Because I, at the time, I'd learned how to like read and write uh, hiragana and katakana. And now I wouldn't be able to do that to that degree. But it's funny the amount of uh, like letters that you remember and words and context you remember like seeing them again you're like i know which one this is so relearning the alphabets has been not too bad and like just leveling up my syntax and stuff has been it's been quite fun it hasn't hasn't been uh like hard it's just been like a learning learning process so that's been cool as well as Various other things that uh, I've been doing pr- um, productively and, and creatively. Uh, and then on the procrastination side, I've been playing a lot of um, Call of Duty Warzone with my siblings, which is uh, funny because I, I I had my time in the sun with uh, Call of Duty and before that the Halos and like different other games. And I bounced off... Call of Duty is really quick. I played. I used to like get them and play the uh, the campaign modes, and then play the online for a few weeks, and then uh, hate it really quickly, and then give the game to one of my younger brothers, and then they'd like level up and become a master. It. And I was cool with that because that loop wasn't for me. But with like battle royale games, I'm always um, intrigued by them, and I always like to like delve in just see what they're doing differently and and like what they're like and i've uh, had um different experiences and like bounced off quite popular ones that just weren't working for me but this one seems to i don't know what it is like i should hate it because like <laughs> this the cod model does my head in but it's actually quite fun and especially playing with my siblings in like the weird setups we have where because it's got cross play uh i'm on the pc and then three of my siblings were on PS4s, and it's uh, it, it's quite fun. Uh, just like it's one of those weird things when we're playing it 
quite a lot, seeing each other level up and get better and uh, just being like a, a proper unit and a squad and being able <laughs> to call out stuff efficiently and having a shorthand and our accuracy getting better and uh, having our favourite weapons and stuff like that and knowing who likes what and getting the jump on people. It's it's super fun. So, uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of uh, fun with that. It's ridiculous that it's a... <laughs> Uh, it's a free game, but a hundred gig download is unbelievable. <laughs> so, like, think hundred gig download, you've had to do a couple of times, from multiple times. Yeah. And at one time, I had to, for my own version, it, when it was updating, it had to download a hundred gigs again. So, like, I'm so happy we did not have um, like uh, caps here because I, I would have destroyed it. I'm sure in one weekend, this household alone did three hundred gigs. Wow. <laughs> Um, but like uh, yeah that's been super fun and I can't remember if I mentioned this on the last episode or not but I finally started uh, Breath of the Wild on the Switch Um, and uh, I mean there's not much to say about that game after at this point uh, three years after the fact but I'm loving it and it's uh, uh, not really there's a lot of walls up to me enjoying a game like this where it's like open world, emergent gameplay, sparse story, uh, your weapons deteriorate. Um, loads of things that I just, are just not my bag, but, um, yeah, I think it's a mix of Nintendo's just next level game design. Um, where they can get me doing Ubisoft stuff like climbing towers, (laughs) but it feels so good. And it, it doesn't overwhelm me with like a million side missions. Instead, all of it feels a lot more um, like natural and organic. And you just stumble upon a thing, meet some people, start doing some stuff. And it's so funny because you'll like set a waypoint. And this is old news to people who love these types of games by default. But it's so funny to like go off the beaten track and like. Uh, like hold up a minute for like <laughs> five hours in doing some side thing. Oh yeah, I was meant to go over here and talk to the Zoras. It's uh, it's quite fun, and I'm like losing myself in it. It's like a perfect like quarantine era game as well because you're just going into some, like this new world, and uh, you just uh, I know because it's so different. The thing I love about Zelda, like this one and historic ones, is that it's not fantasy fantasy. Uh, it's its own like thing and it's it, it it's mixing in all these different elements from other other bits other like stories and stuff over over like decades but it's created this own original world and especially with this one where it mixes technology a bit more with this more like semi fantasy aesthetic it's uh, it, it's it's fresh and it feels original and yeah I'm quite enjoying that cool um something else actually that i wanted to mention that i've been doing i did a guest spot on story x story uh this week which um the episode should be dropping soon uh we did a discussion of the dark knight the christopher nolan film batman dark knight and um it was it was real great fun to discuss the dark knight through the lens of the long halloween like which i don't think i've ever done properly before so that was nice because I love The Long Halloween. It's a great Batman book. And um, The Dark Knight being the best film in that trilogy as well. And because it's so heavily based on that comic, and it and when you read the two, when you watch the film and, and read the book and you kind of get them in tandem, it kind of really shows. So yeah, it was great fun to guest on Story X Story. That's the um, that Story X Story, which is a Mayamada podcast. 
um Maya Marder is like a kind of um creative collective that create their own comics and things like that they they um they make manga um and uh all sorts of other stuff they've got like a, a computer game event that they do and all kinds of things so yeah that was that was great fun and hopefully we'll be able to get those guys on to discuss in fact i want to get those guys on to discuss the long halloween with us as kind of like a tan to to kind of work in tandem with me going over there to discuss the movie with them so hopefully we'll be able to get the mayamada guys guesting on here um on top of that as well ace comicals now does t-shirts which um (laughs) i managed to get online earlier this week actually the week of recording this podcast so um there's two designs up so far there's the standard ac pink on yellow um which is like our new circle logo um you may have seen that floating around on the website already and things like that and uh, there's also the loft dwellers jack-o'-lantern which is kind of like a little logo i came up for the loft dweller which is the character that i play when i do halloween episodes and um when I introduce my short horror stories, which I've done two of so far, you can go back and check those out. But basically this is me trying to be a horror host. So <laughs> let's see how that goes. Cause horror, horror, like, especially after reading, um, count Crowley and talking about count Crowley on the cast, I'm thinking, why have I never been a horror host? What, like, why can't I just be a podcast horror host? Right. We've been telling like, you this for years. Yeah. So, so, so I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do the, the loft dweller is my horror host persona. So you can buy either the loft dwellers, Jack-o'-lantern on a t-shirt or a jumper or a hoodie, whatever, or the standard AC logo at the moment. Um, stickers, mugs, magnets. If you can print it on something, you can, you know, like it, it is possible to create that. So yeah, go and take a look. That is acecomicals.threadless.com. I um, might be biased because you're my yeah. friend and I like you. But I think this uh, the loft dweller's jack o' lantern design is incredible. I, I, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's blue and purple hand holding a jack o' lantern. Yeah, I was never enti- I'm never entirely happy with my own artwork, so I'm going to refrain from. Uh... Nobody cares what you think. I, I think it's it. great. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I'm trying to get another couple of designs ready. I've got like some creepy ice cream thing going on, and I want to make them look like. I'm trying to get them to look like low fi as fuck. So they look kind of like um, old TV type thing. Like, yeah, I can see that from the, the banner you've put up. I, I yeah. think you should put this, uh, the, our new Ace Comicals Twitter logo, which is the um, the eyeballs coming out of the skull with the, like, the green tongue. I think you should put that on a t-shirt as well. I'd, I'd wear that. Yeah, that must be done. Yeah, uh, that will go on a shirt. I'll do that. I'll make an eye popper shirt. Um, nice. But you can only buy it on pink. Because, like, Fine. I literally do not think it looks good on any colour other than pink. And that's just me. Like, <laughs> I'm going to okay buy it on that. pink if I buy it. But, yeah. <laughs> I do not think it would look good against anything but bright pink. And, I I, I mean, the Threadless store that I've got, um, we there is a coral pink option for the... Um, the standard T-shirts. So I'll probably just try and limit it to that. I don't know. And as the thing... I think, like, post-quarantine, everybody needs to change up their colour game. None of this mono, none of this all black. Like, <laughs> we, everyone just needs to to embrace their colours a bit more. I've heard yeah. so much whining about people wanting to go out and being stuck indoors. Like, once everybody's out again, I don't want to see people wearing boring-ass normal colours, man. This is the time. This will be the time. 
Well, I mean, like, I, I walk around looking like liquid television threw up on me anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like you know, I walk around look like looking like MTV vomit anyway. So that's not that's not me. That's not aimed at me, obviously. But. No. And the thing like, <laughs> screw your Supreme Bricks, like, true hype beast, where Ace Comical merch. Yeah. yeah, man. Get your Ace Comicals merch. Get it. Get it covered in beer. Wear it at concerts. You know. <laughs> Dripping in comics. Yeah. Read some comics wearing it. And the next time uh, there's a thought bubble, you'll see us all, all kitted out. Yeah. I'd love to get snapbacks. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd love <laughs> to get snapbacks. On a, a slight tangent, uh, just because I forgot about this story, because um, I bought some uh, Jordan Lowe's, like in, in Pine Green, which I'd been wanting for years, and they finally brought them out again. And there was like limited run. And I couldn't get them directly from Foot Locker or whatever. So I had to get them off StockX for like a premium price. And they arrived a couple of days after the lockdown started. So I've just been sadly wearing them in my roof garden, like walking around in circles. <laughs> like, when else am I going to get to wear them? It's really, it's really depressing. I can't wait for the lockdown to be over just so I can wear those out. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so um, I guess we should start talking about comics right now, shouldn't we? Let's do it. And what better way to open than with TKO's Seven Deadly Sins? So you may have heard of a manga anime called Seven Deadly Sins. This ain't it. This this is the Seven Deadly Sins, and this is by uh, this is published uh, by TKO, and this is written by uh, Sei Chun. Art is by Artyom Trakhanov. Color art is by uh, Julia Brusco lettered by jared k fletcher um and uh, editor sebastian gurner and this is what this is is this is a rough and grimy western comic it isn't afraid to get its hands dirty with the truth about the old west so that's your kind of like content warning right there um because there's a lot of there's a lot of unsavory parts about the old west and the way things used to be uh during the 1800s that um that was just reality back then and this comic does not shy away from that so i'll read the blurb so 1867 the wild west a kidnapped child a fallen priest a deadly crew of death row criminals led by an african-american outlaw who embark on a bloody quest of redemption and revenge to gain what they've searched for their entire lives freedom so each of the main characters kind of embodies a sin and they're up against this like nasty priest guy who in this kind of like dirty dozen scenario uh they've all committed crimes and done bad things but one of them is clearly worse than the rest um and he gets he gets what's coming to him but yeah um <laughs> so don't worry about that it's a story about survival and vengeance and trying to right wrongs um and it's about paying debts and about um like it's got this 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 whole eye for an eye thing going on this whole like decades long eye for an eye thing that kind of threads throughout the whole sort of like story um basically it's just crude and ugly in places and it highlights the prejudice and the savagery of the old west which i which kind of works for the story as well because like it's not just because i think me and leon were discussing this before like are they just doing it because they can or are they doing it because 
um it actually adds something to the story and in this case i wasn't too sure about it when i was only like an issue and a half in but having finished the whole thing it actually is doing it to add something to the story and it's that way on purpose um and it has like more than a tinge of tarantino about it so if you imagine like this it's like this unrelenting assault and battery the kind of thing that you'd imagine from a tarantino western it's got like a bit of django unchained and a bit of hateful eight going on um the art is bold and brash and really high energy it's a cartoon world with plenty of detail and especially when things get ugly or violent it does not it it wants to show you the worst and it does that in such a cool way (laughs) and i think that's the philosophy of this entire story the pacing's excellent and it's it's got it's um if you're missing vertigo this is where you would go to get you some vertigo i guess like a bit of vertigo edge about it um but more of a modern um like compared to how things used to be where things used to the trend in comics i guess back in when we're thinking classic vertigo was to kind of air more on the side of realism wasn't it but this has got more of a modern feel artwork wise which i really really like um the pacing's excellent and the slow drip feed of character details keeps you on your toes and wondering the whole time uh there's twists and turns and some really awesome tension building. Um, the art feet really feeds into that. I mean, like the inhospitable, inhospitable environs of like the American West, like the deserts and things like that are captured perfectly along with like tortured facial expressions throughout. And one, he- well, there's two shootouts, but it ends with one hell of a shootout, like finish it off like any good Western would like one hell of a shootout. So that's on TKO and the whole thing's available now um you can buy it in two formats you can buy a six issue box set or you can buy the trade uh you can also grab it digitally over at um comiXology um but yeah i i love this thing that tko do where they release all six issues and the trade at once so you can just read the entire story i think that's really cool um and like i 100 percent dug this book so I would recommend it. I'd recommend it to you two, actually. I think you should read it. It's great. Um, like, especially the storyline with the main character. Like, um, he has this, like, really cool redemption storyline. Like, the sin that he embodies is wrath. So each of them is, like, one of the seven deadly sins, and he is wrath. And um, the way his story goes and ends is really, really cool. Like, his arc is is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing's great. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, and Ray, I, I recommend it to you as well. You should totally check this out. It's great. I'll check that so, out when I'm in a place that uh, where I don't just want like bright, colourful comics. But it sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, it is bright and colourful, but it's this is what I mean by it. it's got like a real... It's like that Vertigo spirit, but inside a modern like mm. shell. And it's really good. Um, so on from there, uh, I guess we move on to quarantine comics, which is something that I've been enjoying in you as well, Ray, right? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Cause you talked about issue number one last time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So quarantine comics is the thing that the ice cream man team are putting out, um, at the moment while we're all locked down and stuck in our own homes. Um, and they're, 
they appear to be putting them out weekly. Um, it does say on the website it could be weekly or bi-weekly, doesn't it? Mm. Depending on, like, you know, I guess, I guess their pieces. output and things yeah. like that. Yeah, but it's uh, it's weekly at the moment, so there's three available. Um, so, like, I've going to... Basically, we've talked about issue one. Ray, you read issue one, didn't you? I did, yeah. I've caught up on all three um, today, in fact. Yeah, so what, what did... I mean, like, just do you want to just tell us quickly what you thought of issue one? Yeah, sure. I mean, in general, yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking if if Ice Cream Man is like a sickeningly filling Sunday, then Quarantine Comics is like gourmet popcorn poetry. Um, and it's like each new issue that they're putting out is focused on a specific anxiety of the creator as they're going through as they're going through the quarantine, I guess. Um, so, like specifically, issue one, uh, it, it's focused on like the lost creativity in this time of quarantine and the endless distraction and grim comfort of the online space. And it's super effective. Like it's it's five pages long, I think four or five pages long. Um, it's doing some really interesting like um, thematic comparisons for the creator against uh, like William Shakespeare and um, some of the panel constructions were really interesting. One thing I love about reading stuff on PDF is it's so easy to see how uh, like the construction of a page and the panels and the, the things framed inside those panels overlaid and you can clearly tell if you flick between page one and two in this like they've literally um drawn drawn over the same like base frame construction and i really like just flicking back back and forth between like modern day and you know historic william shakespeare setting and like just seeing the different features flick back and forth i'm kind of hypnotized by it as i'm talking it's really good i'm, I'm really i really enjoyed this how, how what did you think of it oh yeah i mean you obviously know i loved it so well of course yeah, yeah from the, yeah because anything by these guys is something that's just like i instantly love and it's been like a little bit of a a light in the times at the moment it's something for me to look forward to which mm. i really like um so i mean issue two mm. issue two is called uh true original and uh for me this is my favorite one of the three so far i didn't um, realize they had titles what is it yeah that? okay yeah what was it called again? <laughs> On the website, it's called True Original. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, this one is, it, it provided a much needed laugh. It's a, wit- a witty retelling slash parody of the creation Garden of Eden, Fall of Man thing from the book of Genesis, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the wisecracks and the general acerbic pops at modern society and how we live in such dull, unfulfilling lives towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um and like the fact that ice cream is the world's greatest fucking food, you're damn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, like because um, instead of the apple, it's an ice cream cone. So mm. when Eve tastes the ice cream, it's like you had dessert, but you're not allowed to have dessert. God said you're not allowed dessert. <laughs> <laughs> like I absolutely love that bit. It's great. Um, and yeah, the serpent has been replaced with Rick, the ice cream man, and the apple <laughs> is the ice cream cone. And the decision to make them like um, like modern men and women, like humans, modern people, uh, is really good. Like the way they talk and the way they behave. And the fact that Adam is just so absolutely fucking vacant, like <laughs> walking around <laughs> naming everything. And, and Eve's the only one that's like, got anything about her which is kind of like my relationship really but yeah uh, <laughs> i mean she says it herself like 
<laughs> well, her husband being a kind man, it must be said being a bit of a fucking idiot. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he is. <laughs> <laughs> because I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm sure Sophie would say something very similar about me. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is it, it's it's a fantastic little story. And um, yeah, I I laughed hard at this. Like, that's my favorite one of the three so far. This Garden of Eden thing is great. Um, I mean, like, I can't really say much that I've not already said about the way this team work together and and the way they gel and the art that they produce as a result of that. Um, Because we've talked about Ice Cream Man ad infinitum and this is just more of that. Yeah, it's got the same, the same, like, shine, the same level of polish. It's got the same like pacing and timing timing and like comic timing and humor and everything it's the same. what you yeah. expect from ice cream man is represented here as well exactly there's not a lot really that i can say about the art and everything else that i've not already gushed over to be fair so it's it's fantastic and then uh, number 3 um is convention of mics um and I think that's what it's called. I'm going to I'm going to fact check myself and I'm going to find the title for issue 3. Yeah, I'm not sure where yeah, you're it is. these titles. It is actually but... called Convention of Mics. Yeah, you know if you go to the Quarantine Comics website, Ray. Yeah. And then you get the bit where it says the comics where you can add them to your cart. Right. If you click on that, it tells you what they're called when it gives you the brief. Ah, so it does because they're not in the PDF, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, titles aren't in the PDF, but they are on the website. So Convention of Mics um Though you might not be a mic yourself, you're invited to this, the first ever convention <laughs> of mics. <laughs> and this was good because this is kind of like, um, this has got a real cool message this has. Because the whole thing about this is it's the conversation you probably have with yourself in the mirror every morning. I know I do. Um, and it's like The, the idea that we should celebrate who we are and, and how we've learned and we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves. And um, like, no matter what we've done yet, yes, we've, we've done things and, but we've, we've fallen and we've gotten back up and we've learned from it. And we now better people for that. And although that person, that part of you existed, then you are a better person now for having been that person, I guess. So, Imagine like you're in a in a convention hall in a room, like a rented <laughs> a rented hall in a hotel, and there's all different versions of you. So like your 15 year old self, your um, yourself from university, yourself from your first job, yourself at your lowest low, things like that, just all sitting in this room, like representations of you, like snapshots of you through various periods of time. Um, defining points in your life where you have been something else, like a a you that got fit and a you that got fat, et cetera. (laughs) Right. So imagine that and imagine like a convention like that, where you're all wearing little name tags and (laughs) buying drinks and stuff. So that's the idea of it. And it's kind of like the idea that when you look in the mirror, you see all these versions of yourself. And uh, sometimes we're hard on ourselves because we think about what we've done in the past and things like that. And we are ashamed of certain parts of ourselves. We're ashamed of what we may have done, but this comic tells you not to be so hard on yourself and to um, realize that you should celebrate 
that you have been through all of that and you are now a better person for that. And it's a nice little positive message for some for in these times, which I really like about this, actually, because these these are um, diametrically opposed to most of the material that you get in Ice Cream Man, aren't they? Because they're quite they're less um, because Ice Cream Man has the kind of like this this kind of like undercurrent of hopelessness about it. But these are less of that. And I think that's what you need right now. So I quite like that they're doing that, like dialing back the like existential terror, <laughs> it a little bit more. I think you and I sometimes diverge on this a little because, like, you even said it with issue number two, where you hinted that it was quite defeatist. But I think it ends on a really positive note. Like, it's because, like, to go back to issue two very briefly, like, it's about to me, it was about the the pleasures and the monotonies of real life, not just the monotonies of real life. So I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this is too much of a departure. Like, I think even in general in Ice Cream Man, I think there is some hope to be found. But yeah, you're right. This one is quite a hopeful message. It's got quite a positive yeah. uh, message about, like, recognizing your past behaviors, Put, putting yourself in a room with yourself, recognizing yeah. your past behaviors and accepting yourself and your past failures. And, yes. like, I, re- I really like the, uh, the tag on the website because you just brought me back to the page. And the tag on it is, watch as Mike after Mike interacts with Mike and Mike alike. <laughs> Just in a nutshell, it's very. Good. I do. I do really like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. I love the idea of this one, and it's again. It was. It's a massive comfort to me. This. This comic. Like. It's mm. the kind of thing that I need to read a lot of. Um. And we're not so different from each other as strange, upright, hairless apes, I guess. And uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's something that these Ice Cream Man comics are showing me, and that this is particularly showing me. Um, and it's the usual expert cocktail of talent that makes up an ice cream man book. And these mm. little sweet treats are the comics you need and deserve. So go and buy them because they're $2 each. Yes. Yeah. And so, it's yeah. for a good cause as well. They do say yeah. um, 50% of the proceeds will be donated to an effort to support comic books contending with the financial hardships of COVID closures, etc. So yes, yeah, do that. Yes. Do, do, our, do, do our industry a favor. $2, man. That's like one pound sixty something in English pounds, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's totally totally worth it. Totally worth your time. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think these yeah. are these are quality little little nuggets of joy. Yes, uh, I do enjoy them very much. Um, so, Leon, next one's yours. Yes, uh, the next comic. There's one I was going to speak about uh, a few episodes ago, but uh, never got around to it. I feel like if we're going to talk about this, we need a filthy baseline. <laughs> You're going to put some music on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, a comic from Vault Comics uh, called Money Shot. And uh best way to describe it is their like, catch-up blurb in the second issue, I think. Uh, which I think gets to the point more. Uh, so in 2027, uh, an advanced alien civilization made contact and the people of Earth discovered they were not alone. An offer to join the civilized universe was made, but then the aliens saw what a total shit show Earth was. <laughs> now in 2032, na- note the date, 2032, uh, amid an anti-science presidential administration and public apathy, scientists in an economically crippled America, again, 2032, uh, struggle to fund uh, innovative projects. Enter physicist Dr. Christine Ocampo. Dr. Ocampo has convinced a team of scientists 
to join her in crowdfunding her expensive interstellar transport project, nicknamed Money Shot. For the price of a website membership, viewers can witness acts of sex never before seen on Earth, while their XX explorers gather data and information among the stars. So that is the basic overview of this uh, this series. And I think that really accurately covers what the what the comic's about. So like in the vein of things such as, I guess, like sex criminals, uh, I think what the, one of the, not even aims, but one of the, the things that happens with the comic is that it's more like a fun, sex positive and uh, like adventurous book um, where uh, leaning into the sort of uh, jokes and the sort of, uh, held backness of society so it opens the door for a lot of silly puns and a lot of silly jokes but what may on the surface uh, especially with the covers may scare people away thinking it's some sort of uh, porno comic or something like that actually uh, behind it it's uh, a sharp and non-gratuitous and insightful socio-political commentary um, but like a lot of fun and it, it covers a lot of like topics that we're thinking about now in society, whether it be uh, like anti-science uh, outlooks or whether it be things like the the gig economy and sort of self-employment and um, the the rise of, uh, I guess, the rise of uh, like visibility of like, uh, like sex workers, especially on uh, like, different platforms um and uh like with patreons and stuff like that and uh but it, it explores that but via a, a sort of sci-fi uh, uh slant to to show sort of like um not even end state but like a next stage where uh we get to a degree where the government won't even fund science projects anymore so they have to be crowdfunded and they can't even be crowdfunded the normal way uh you've got to spice it up a bit so uh, these scientists uh, band together and they, they fund their uh, research and their space adventures by uh, basically hooking up with aliens, uh, Captain Kirk style. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a lot of, it's a lot of fun, the book. It's, um, I think one thing that it's really smart on is like aiming to like sort of remove the shame and like puritanical like outlook with that and highlighting the the business artistry and even basic production considerations with stuff like that, whether someone is um, quote unquote, like uh, cam girl or uh, some uh, like any, any sex worker who makes videos, uploads and stuff like that. There's a lot more going into the, the business transaction of it all than what might be perceived. And for a lot of people, in a world, especially in say places like the the states where there's no um, there's no a lot less safety nets and uh, like social safety nets and things like health insurance and stuff like that, people are having to and with zero hour contracts everywhere, people are having to make make find any other, uh, other routes to make money. And this is one way where people have uh, found a way to take control and. Um, uh, a lot, of, especially a lot of people in, in, in some uh, like marginalized um, 
with ba- uh, backgrounds being able to sort of take control and um, basically be head of their own content. So it, it handles a lot of these like really interesting and in- intriguing themes, but then plays out in a, a sort of original series Star Trek's uh, adventure the U- the universe way. But I uh, like like melding all this stuff together and giving it like a, a sexy sheen. So it's um, it's definitely worth a read. I believe a, a whole trade of this is completed. I've only read the first um, two issues, but I'm, I, w- I want to go through and complete it. Uh, it's so hard to talk about this book and like not make all the puns that are <laughs> that popping in my head, but I'm I've fully avoided it so far, and I will continue. But um, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it, I highly recommend it. Um, I think if you invest in it, you'll get enough bang for your buck. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and the credits for Money Shot. Um, as follows, it's uh, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty. It's drawn by Rebecca Isaacs, coloured by Kurt Michael Russell, and lettered by Cranky. And as I said, it's um, published by Vault Comics. And Ray. Yeah. The next one's yours, right? Yeah, I wanted to talk about a comic called Finger Guns. Uh, there are two issues out so far. I think number two came out on the 1st of April. Uh, so I just caught up with these. It's um, a new book by Vault Comics, uh, written by Justin Richards, art by Val Halverson, um, colors by Rebecca Nolte, and lettering by Taylor Esposito. So I'm just going to rattle off my little spiel, and then I think, uh, Leon, you've also read this, right? I have, I have. Uh, I'll throw to you once I've once I've done this. But um, so like my initial reaction to this, I picked it up as I always do with these comics uh, based on the cover. It's got a super striking candy cane cover by Val Harvison, um, which I think was flippable in the physical release. Like you, it's uh, if you spread it out, you can see both covers. Like you could read them upside down, um, and both sides of the cover of uh, depict. Uh, these worried children side-eyeing a bunch of finger guns being pointed at them, and the characters are shrouded in like these anxious lines, like hazing off of them. And there's a lot of detail in the covers, which then reference specific functions in the main story. So the concept in its broadest terms is, what if you could influence people's behavior by pointing at them and shooting them with an imaginary gun? So to zoom in a little bit more, it focuses on uh, two children, one of whom is a 13-year-old boy named Wes. Wes is bored, apparently unpopular, and comes home every day to, re- to an empty house, uh, missing the attention of his absent, you know, late, working, hardworking father. Um, Wes discovers he has the titular finger gun power, uh, specifically the power to incite anger in anyone he chooses. And while indulging in this, he meets a young girl named Sadie. Um, and it's later shown that her proper name is uh, Saudage, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, apologies if I'm saying that wrong, uh, which I think is a Brazilian Portuguese name. And um, she appears to have the opposing power, which is to incite calm in people. And we find out early on that uh, Sadie comes from a troubled home with an aggressive and violent father. And um, what follows is Sadie and Wes's growing friendship, experimentation of their powers, and a look into their difficult home lives and their attempts to use their powers to solve some of their personal problems. So the art has a really... I, I have to say up front, I love the art. It has a really clean, friendly, digestible style, um, bolstered by some like deliciously vibrant sweet shop color palettes, like particularly in the gradient backgrounds, which meld bright, stippled, 
uh, greens, pinks, oranges, purples together. And it literally, it makes me hungry for gummy sweets. And I don't know, like, as a quick aside, I don't know if that's just quarantine me talking because I haven't had a chance <laughs> to buy like uh, sweets, which is my main vice. I haven't had that many sweets lately, but it really made me want to buy like fruit pastels or something. <laughs> and so these the, the characters in these settings are all really lovingly presented. I think there's a there's a great deal of warmth and joy that comes off the page as we see these two children navigating their newfound friendship. And similarly, the stresses and anxieties they experience at home is boldly communicated without becoming too cartoony. And um, like the page constructions and panel framings are very chunky and legible. And it's not doing anything uh, like particularly fancy for the most part, but it's always very clear and intentional and focuses instead on the skillful and expressive character work. And this, this like simplicity in, in the majority, it also allows the occasional constructional flourishes to stand out all the more. Um, there's a particularly emotional pairing of happy moments and tense moments in issue number two, which I really, I, I found like quite touching. And um, there's a two page spread also in issue number two, where Wes and Sadie have a, a shootout and it's arranged like a fan of cards on a table. And just generally, I'm really, I'm really taken with this comic. Um, and I know I've deliberately sort of tiptoed around uh, major plot points, but I'm, I'm definitely happy to talk about them if, uh, if you want to, Leon. So I'm going to pass over to you. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree with pretty much all you've said. I think the um that you've going back to what you're saying of the color, even on the covers, I found the contrasting colors to be really cool um I found the color throughout um I like how you have these panels with like block background colors or uh, and like they're usually action panels or even like emotional action panels, and I think it's really good at um I don't know, it really good at conveying an emotion. Um, and I, I think throughout the book, uh, the art and the color, um, the colors um, are really good at conveying like monotony without monotone colors, but quite the opposite. Hmm. Uh, I really love the, like the facial and body um, expressions throughout. Um, there's just such a like, cool, um, almost larger than life, detail to them but it's still grounded in a reality uh which is awesome and um yeah it's fun because you have this whole thing leading up to these characters like meeting uh and there's a lot of good like sequential panels which are very good at visualizing the loneliness and isolation of uh socially orphan teen uh particularly in the first issue there's um cool set of panels where um the uh the main guy is it Wes? Yeah. Yes. Uh he's sat uh he's at home, then he's on a bus and then he's walking and he's all on his phone at the time, but it's like it's the same look, the same sort of emptiness, uh the same sort of yearning for some sort of connection, having been more or less abandoned by his parent. Uh and it's it's really cool. I like how it um touches on some basic stuff where you have uh Wes who's abandoned and lonely um you've got Sadie who's like suffocated by a family environment but like you have that great line about the grass is always greener because like you you have that like I think it's like similar to the thing of like kids who have like siblings and kids who are only child and it's like 
the kids with the siblings materialistically be like, oh, I wish I was only a child, then I'd get all, all this cool stuff that you have <laughs> and instead of these hand-me-downs, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the um, the single single child is uh, like, oh, I wish I had brothers and sisters like to like hang out with and play with and stuff like that. And I think it really is good. Uh, and like with a lot of like fiction based on teens that I like, I like when they're able to sort of zoom in on what it's like at that age where the world revolves around your problems more so than, than they actually do. And everything feels um, like hyper intense, but then at the same times, awful things just become every day. And especially not wanting to pull attention to yourself or be like a problem person. Um, you there's certain things where you just keep them to yourself and um you just sort of move on with with how life is and yes uh things get heavy quick especially in in, in issue two and like i feel i'm on the same page too where i don't i don't know it's not really spoiler stuff but i i, I don't know I, I don't want to like lay all the cards out for it so i'll, I'll mm. continue to speak speak around it but there's definitely like uh, weird sort of domestic drama in there that uh, that that makes it take a turn. Um, and yeah, I just overall, there's there's so many like little little details throughout that that uh, I, I quite quite jarred with. I loved the um, the finger gun standoff, I believe, in issue two uh, with the various different ASL hand signs. I thought <laughs> I, I just love. Uh, the I love that you have this magical realist element, but it, it's not the sole focus like yeah. I thought it was going to be going in. Mm. And in, instead, it's almost a MacGuffin for these two characters to to meet and um, uh, have like one other person in the world they can trust and talk to, which is cool. Um, like other little details that I love because for a while at the beginning I was wondering because it, it had sort of an analog feel. Um, and I was thinking, oh, is this uh, like a period or is it, you know, like something like the Legion TV show where it doesn't have a place, but it has technology from the past and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it's very much like obviously now because it's like a Breath of the Wild poster in the background and stuff. <laughs> but I did love things. Yeah, I think it's mostly because of things like the vinyl records and like the cool S t-shirts and stuff like that. But, yeah. but it, it all makes sense that these like Zoomers w- would have all this stuff. Um but uh, I love stuff like the uh, Mr. County, who's the, the guidance counsellor, how when you first see him, uh, there's an f- uh, em- employee of the month photo above his head <laughs> doing the exact same pose, and it gave me, like, proper Hot Fuzz vibes. Yeah, it's the Hot Fuzz thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a um, It Crowd. Yeah. Yeah, the, the first, in fact, is it the first episode of It Crowd where they meet the boss, the manager? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it like zooms out from the photo of him and he's doing the same pose behind the desk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, there's, yeah, there's a lot of like cool things like that. And um, uh, a, a particular series of panels that I really enjoyed was in issue two where uh, I'll say a character and their mum uh, are hanging out um, and, it, and there's a series of panels of them like cooking and mm. hanging out together and you've got musical notes floating from frame to frame it, like it really did 
like I was saying before about how the colors uh, are used, I think that that really does convey like the emotional truth of that moment and mm. like almost to how it would feel in the memory, which, which I found to be quite cool. But it, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in yeah. there that, um, that, that resonates with me quite a lot. And it was just fun to spend time though, not to snark on the, on Green Day. <laughs> but if American Idol change how you listen to music, man, allow me to introduce him to Dookie at least. Like, I mean, he's thirteen, right? Like we all. <laughs> I, think, I can't fault him really, as, because he's holding Talking Heads earlier, and he's got some like cool music in his collection. So, yeah, I mean that, that's and it's, it's inherited from his, his yeah, parents. and that's a lot, a lot, a lot better than uh, like a lot of Zoomers these days and some of the tracks <laughs> you listen to. Yeah, but um. <laughs> My kids, if if I ever have kids, are going to have a fantastic musical education. We'll see. They're not going to like anything <laughs> you put when they rebel against you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Going back to what I was saying about like the magical realism, I'm happy mm. for uh, that element to be a side element, but I do have some hope that the magic syncs up with the story and themes more in following issues, and I think it will. Uh, I just think there's potential there to do more with all of that together. But um, yeah, you've just articulated something I was struggling to to know how to put. But that thing of like the finger guns not even being the the main focus, and it sort of slightly tricks you with that. That's something I really felt. And yeah, I agree. I, I hope it does sort of sync up again. At, at yeah, because it's not even that from a stance of like Obi Wan there to be more powers and magic and stuff mm. but i think that there's potential for it to fit in with how these characters are feeling and their life especially what the the particular like the finger guns do um because yeah. there's think... already a yin yang aspect to both yeah the, they, the powers that they have and the people that they are and like the the element of discovery and experimentation uh mm. with them as well like um it, it does give me shades. Oh, oh, I don't know why I brought this up, actually, because I never get this title right. But the Netflix show with the two kids from It in it, that, that is recent. Uh, God, I, yeah. I, I, I watched it. I love right. it, but I, I forgot is it what that, it's called. Um, this is not okay thing? Or yes, whatever. thank yeah, you. Yeah, that one. Uh, it, yeah. it gives me a lot of shades of that, actually, mm. in a lot of a lot of different ways, but in a, in a different, like, bouncy, colourful sense. But there's, mm. um, there's a lot of... Um, shared DNA, I should say, um, between those two projects. And I think that if you liked one, you would like the other. Mm. But for varying reasons. Mm. That's a really good comparison, actually. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it only just popped into my head now thinking Mm. about it, Um, which is why I didn't have the title ready. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, overall, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think that um, it just... It has a nice feeling to it. It's, it's, it was I found, had a lot of fun reading the, these two issues, and I am looking forward to more. Do you want to know what's not okay? The fact that we've been getting the title wrong anyway. It's called "I'm not okay with this." Not this is not okay. <laughs> it's, I am there not okay with this. There yeah. you go. And the, and the worst thing is based off a comic <laughs> as well. But um, yeah, <laughs> what, what can you do that? I, that for some reason, as much as I love that show, the title just does not stick in my head. Yeah. That's you have to describe to it as the one where it's got the characters from it in it. Like that's that's, <laughs> how, that's how I've sold it to other people because I can't remember <laughs> that as well. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a great show. 
Mm, really is. Yeah. Also, this uh, this comic has an extremely cute dog in it, and I'm not even a dog person. I think I've talked about this in the past, but this dog is extremely cute uh, to the point where I've taken photos of the dog and sent it to friends who I know who like dogs and say, "Hey, you'd fall in love with this dog," but I don't care about it. But I'm sending it to you because I think you're like. I don't care about this dog, but this dog's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I have to pretend like it hasn't touched me, but it's super has because it's, it's adorable. <laughs> the next show we do, you're going to be like talking about how you've got like 10 Pomeranians or something. <laughs> yeah, <just surrounded> by <laughs> them. <laughs> so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to move on and take you guys back in time. Because... I was supposed to, originally when I was when I was like asked to, asked if I wanted to um, be a guest on um, Story X Story, we were going to be discussing the New Mutants movie, which has been pushed back yet again. Um, this time because I think because of the global pandemic stuff, right? Um, and New Mutants, I mean, like by the time this movie comes out, that cast are going to be well into their fifties anyway. So, but. Um, <laughs> It's been pushed back that many times, but yeah. So, so what I did was I had I start I went back and I, I was like, you know what, this is like a real good excuse to hop back in and read some classic X Men books. So yeah, it, the movie got pushed back again, and in prep for the guest spot, I was like, yeah, let's read some classic X Men books, um, and uh, specifically the Claremont McLeod New Mutant stuff. Um, it's not like I needed much of an excuse, but. I did it anyway because like it, it, it's not like I, I I I would have just read these comments anyway because this is just what I do but yeah um I've been I'm still reading it and I've been taking my time enjoying the classic craftsmanship and everything else with these books um so this is the new mutants by Chris Claremont uh, art by Bob McLeod um Tom Orschowski is the letterer on this and Glynis Wine is the colorist um and yeah, so New Mutants Volume 1, as it is commonly known. Um, but this is um, sort of like spinning out of the success of the X-Men comics under Claremont beginning in the early 80s in September 1982. Um, and it has an introduction to the... The introduction to the characters was in uh, an original graphic novel, which was Marvel graphic novel number four, which was... Um, yeah, so that kicked off... That was like September 82. That was Marvel graphic, Marvel graphic novel number four. And then the run actually kicks off in March of 1983 with New Mutants number one. Um, I do love these stories. And it's also not, it's like always nice to dive into some classic books now and again and just let it wash over you, I guess. Like just looking at the artistic trends of the time and the trends in page composition and lettering and storytelling and also the way in which comics were actually conceived and made namely the marvel method which rather than today's most common method of comic production which involves sending a full script and panel descriptions to the artist to tell them exactly what you want the marvel method involves a creative team coming together for what is known as a story conference where the basic outline of the plot is worked out and then given to the artist where the artist would then produce pages and the script would be added afterwards so <laughs> It's a bit backwards, as you can imagine, like the, the the friction this probably caused within the creative teams and like because it's not the most efficient way of working, especially if you're the artist. It makes life for you so much harder, like pages would have to be redone to fit the story and you would end up producing twice as much work. And it like, I mean, 
I found an article on uh, CBR.com, um, which is like Marvel uh, Marvel method depictions in comics, like in backup stories that were published in books. Um, and it just like, I mean, they're making light of it and they're making fun of it with these, uh, these backup stories with like their creative pro basically just detailing their creative process as it was back then. But I can only imagine how miserable it must've been to work that way around, like to, to do all this like cool artwork and then be told, Oh wait, that doesn't quite fit the story. Can you go back and redraw this entire page, please? I mean, like, can you imagine? <laughs> and like, yeah, I, it's I, a nightmare. Yeah, I, I bring this up because I've also noticed that it also results in overly described and narrated pages, which you get a lot of in these uh, New Mutants books. I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's that's kind of like a Claremont thing as well, where he puts in like a lot of like narration, but in New Mutants, maybe where the page doesn't quite portray what the writer wanted it to. So extra text is added to kind of steer the reader in the right direction. And I guess the pages produced based on a general outline of the story would be less specific in tone and message. So you kind of have to do that to compensate for it. I don't know, but it kind of, I, I feel like this is kind of a trend in like older comics as well. Like with this kind of stuff like where they kind of have less faith in the artist but i guess that's just because the artist doesn't have the full the full script in front of them when they're making this book so they're going to sit there and they're going to draw from this like basic outline of this conversation that you had in an office a week ago or whatever when you had your story conference and yeah it's just the idea of it and i just thought it, i i thought the i thought it was fun to kind of read about that and like enjoy enjoy comics made that way and just look at the difference between that and now. And in contrast to this, actually uh, some of the classic Batman books that I've been reading, uh, I went and read a few classic Batman books this week. Um, and I can't get enough of Jim Apero's Batman. Like his art for me is some of the best Batman comics ever produced, but in contrast, these comics kind of flow a little better and there's less, I mean, there's still a lot there's still a fair bit of narration, but there's less narration and less. Um, Cause if you look at like, there's more like letting the art do the talking like full action sequences played out across panels and things like that rather than an action sequence or an action happening and then it having to be described as well um but you get like um if you compare comics then to comics now like comics now are more it's more like watching a television show whereas comics then were very much comics and were closer to reading than they were to watching a television show. But now things seem to have kind of transitioned into more, letting the visuals do the talking a bit more. I feel, I don't know how you, if you guys have ever noticed that or have anything to say about that. It depends. Cause um, like, it depends on, I guess the era of comics you're reading from and also yeah. the genre as well. Cause I found a lot of superhero comics from like the 80s and 90s were a bit more, well, not 90s, but like the late 70s and the 80s were a bit more um, overtly descriptive. Whereas like then in the 80s, you got a lot of comics like from like the Millers and 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 Moors um, and, and all the others around that time. And that seemed to be a bit more like literary, um, but still supremely uh, 
like visual. So it's, it's kind of hard. It, yeah. it, it muddies, but yeah, I, I would agree. Like now, running comics do feel like um, like TV productions and. Um, like how not even just how they're presented in the end, but how they come together. I definitely have that that feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like we're um, talking about the New Mutants Volume One, which was um, the the original team from New Mutants was Karma, which is uh, Sean Koiman, Psyche, who is Danny Moonstar, Cannonball, Sam Guthrie, Wolfsbane, who is the Scottish girl Rain Sinclair, and uh, Sunspot Bobby DaCosta. So Bobby DaCosta. Um, sunspot he absorbs solar energy and then he can kind of um switch on um a enhanced but like he basically uses you can switch you can output that solar energy as enhancements like strength and things like that um he kind of like turns completely black like a, a like a void for light basically when he does this um and he gets enhanced strength and things from the solar energy and he has to charge up in the sun. Um, Wolfsbane, uh, Rain Sinclair, she turns into a wolf. Um, Danny Moonstar's power is quite, um, quite cool. Like she can pull images from your mind. She can pull like memories or, or, or like thoughts out and display them in front of you in like 3d. Um, oh my God, that sounds horrible. Yeah, so she can create... Well, in the comics, that is explored about how that actually kind of, like, is a breach of, like, privacy and things like that, and and what people's reactions to her power as well. Hmm. Um, Karma can possess you. So she can stay in her own body, but then what she can do is she can take control of you as well, and she can, like, move you like a puppet and make you do things. Um, And Cannonball can um like use kinetic energy to launch himself in uh in like a specific direction through the air and whatever and obviously while he's doing this he's semi invulnerable so he can't be can't be harmed and he just crashes he can crash into things like knock walls down stuff like that so he's pretty powerful, but obviously the one drawback is it's very hard to control. Once he's launched, it's hard for him to, it takes a lot of effort for him to try and turn or something like that. So, and they're all obviously still learning how to use their powers under Xavier's tutelage. Like these are young teenagers newly recruited by Xavier. So yeah, um, New Mutants, check it out. It's good fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to go back and look at where all of that started. I mean, especially if you're enjoying the current New Mutants run, um, which is also very good. Um, yeah, so I guess that brings us on to the last one on the list now. Yeah, very briefly, I wanted to bring yeah. up um, a comic called, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Paradolia. And it's actually something I found on Val Halverson's page, that Val Halverson being the artist of Finger Guns, found it on his Twitter page um, or their Twitter page when I was just doing some research before the cast. And it's basically their uh, eight-page horror comic short that they've put on Twitter. And it's it's really good. It's just like, um, like so Paradolia is the phenomenon of seeing faces in things. And uh, it like the, the, the first the big like uh, cover page for this short comic has uh, like a a head that's uh, sorry, a 
person's worried face that's literally outlined by the letters for the word paradelia. And as you're reading through the story, you'll realize that there is like a hidden face hidden in every single panel. And it's basically a short story about a woman who appears to be suffering from a recent tragedy and is explaining to us, the audience, how she used to experience paradolia a lot as a child and how it faded the older she got. And there's a there's a horror slant to it. Like it's so short that I don't want to give too much detail. It's worth just checking out. It's um it's another example of Val Halverson's uh, amazing artwork, but not the bright, colorful saccharine. Well, not saccharine's wrong. The bright, colorful, like sweet vibrancy that we had from Finger Guns. It's like it's it's a very effective horror story. Um, but you checked this out as well, right, Greg? I did. Yeah. Um, and it is it is really cool. Like um, I. I I'm, I was really into this actually, really enjoyed it, and the the bit at the end was really good. It's it's mm. really like it's where as you like go through panel each panel, like each panel contains a hidden face, and as you're going through and you're starting to notice like these different faces and things in each panel, and it's like, I mean, like it's not something you think about, and then after reading this, it's 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 something that gets quite unnerving. The fact that you start to see faces in everything. <laughs> Um, and I mean, it's something that I actually used to do as a kid. I used to sit and, and like pick faces out of patterns and stuff, you know, when I'm bored in the doctor's office or something like that. Yeah. I think it's pretty like, you're common. There waiting, right? yeah, yeah. In waiting rooms and stuff. Mm. And it's just something that y- you never really think that much about. And then you read this comic and now you're scared to look at a door. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, it's like, I, I, I learned the term paradelia through a friend. Cause like we used to make jokes about like finding faces and things. And he told me what the definition of that that term was or the what it was called and like i love that i love looking around and seeing i tend to try and find like cute faces and things but i like that this is finding it's got that um haunting of hill house vibe where it's like yeah horrific drawn out like terrifying faces hidden in the corners of of like you know in the darkness and stuff it's i uh, yeah, i like it like i like anything like, that's got a bit of a where's wally aspect to it as well like yeah um i've been feeling this lately and i wanted to maybe touch on it with quarantine comics but the fact that like it's digestible but dense which Mm. is what i mean by the where's wally thing where there's like a lot of detail packed into one page and you you end up there's like an economy of spending it gives me a reason to spend more time on each page uh but then doesn't doesn't keep my it doesn't ask for my attention for too long like it's eight pages and i i wanted to pour over every page as opposed to sometimes with like the weekly comics i feel like they're very i don't know easily easily swallowable like i don't know I, I just liked the fact that it was short and creepy and cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I, I like this. Um, like you say, you bring up this thing where they're short comics, but there's so much packed in and mm. like such a, a, a grand um, concept or something explored across, you know, so few pages and, and done really well as well. Like that's something that I can totally get behind. Like I love that stuff. Like, um, what you can get, you know, if you buy this on Gumroad, by the way, you can get a, um, so you can get the, the PDF uh, versions of it where you've got like the version with the lettering and then you've got like a, a, a lettering free version, mm. which just lets you look at the panels and pick out the faces. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, I like when, when yeah. creators give that kind of stuff away as well. Mm. So I, I bought it. I bought it on Gumroad and got both versions. Like you, you messaged me about this literally an hour before we recorded this cast. <laughs> yeah. You like check it out, and I was all over it. It was great. Yeah, I thought you, yeah. you in particular would like this. Yeah, no, 
I, I love this stuff. Yeah. So Paradolia. And um, that's the same artist that worked on um, Finger Guns, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Val Harverson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that brings us to the end. Unless anyone's got anything else left they want to mention? No. Okay. So, um, Lee, uh, Ray, did you have something you wanted to shout out for the pull list? Uh, yeah, just something I spotted because I've not been I've not been paying super attention to you know the weekly releases for a while now. Uh, but I noticed that um, on the fifteenth of April, everything Volume One came out, and we talked about. I can't remember how far we discussed everything, but we all we all definitely talked about at least a few issues, and we all definitely liked it. So that's something I wanted to point out. Everything Volume 1 is is a worthy book to pick up. I think I've got like all of Volume 1 in single issues. So, mm. but um, yeah. So, I mean, like what you were, your point about the weekly releases, I, I haven't really been putting anything on the pull list because there are no weekly releases right now, really. So mm. uh, everything seems to have kind of halted, but we're getting a lot of collections and things like that. So that's always cool. Um, and a lot of things that you may have, had we may have been mentioning as weekly releases or things to look out for in previous episodes are now collected in trades so that's something to go looking at example everything volume one um for the next show i guess the only thing i on my pull this is the fact that for the next show i plan to have some proper thoughts on the the uh all red bowie biography that i bought so i've been talking about this book and i keep mentioning it and and i've actually gone out and bought it so i'm gonna have I've already read it, but I'm going to read it again and I'm going to get some proper thoughts on it and then I'll be able to talk about that. Um, And that has been Ace Comicals episode number 86. So you can find us in all the usual places. Uh, www.acecomicals.com is the kind of hub for everything we do. Um, You can find us anywhere that you can find a podcast like uh, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, Yeah, everywhere um you can buy a t-shirt from us now uh so if you if you want to go browse the t-shirts you can go to uh, acecomicals.threadless.com and you can check out the two designs that we've got live at the moment um which we talked about earlier in the show and um yeah if something takes your fancy go ahead we they're on a range of colors and styles so it's all up to you uh there's hoodies and sweatshirts as well um you can find me on Twitter at Bato at B A T T O U. You can find Ace Comicals on Twitter at Ace Comics. Um, you can send us an email uh, if you want to get in touch via email. It is acecomicals at gmail.com. We have a Kofi, uh, which is kofi.com slash Ace Comicals, where you can uh, donate the price of a coffee uh, to help us defray the cost of keeping the website hosted and uh, the podcast live and uh, ray where can we find you you can find me on twitter at monke so that's m-o-o-n-k-e-h and leon where can we find you you can find me on twitter at leon everett and that has been ace comicals episode number 86 so that is ace comicals over and out